Hi, it's Bob from Royal Spa. Soaking in a hot tub full of Epsom salts is the absolute best way to minimize everyday aches and pains. And we know all about Epsom salts at Royal Spa. Royal Spa hot tubs are the only hot tubs on the market that can safely and effectively use Epsom salts. Made right here in Indiana, Royal Spa hot tubs are the highest quality hot tubs on the market. Visit any one of our three Indianapolis locations or visit royalspa.com. Ah, Royal Spa. Speaking of fathers and sons in their car on this Friday morning, this one here. Uh, Can I get a shout out from Finley, Ohio? We've got Mitchell Soup Campbell. How great is that name? (laughs) And his son, Big Easy. That is E-Z on the letters there. How great is Soup? Do you think Soup was a fullback back in the day? I think Big Easy is cooler. But Soup, yes. Joe, Joe writes, who had the best nickname when you were on the Colts? Oh, when I was playing? Yeah. Any any good nicknames uh, in that locker room? Yeah, it'd be, it'd be tough to come with the best. Um, I don't know. We, we didn't have a ton of great ones in terms of the O-line. It was pretty boring, like, you know, AC and uh, Hager. And, yeah, it, it would we not, not a lot of great nicknames for us. Nothing like Soup. Yes, yeah, soup is strong right there. If you're soup, that's a that's a strong strong name. So speaking of and uh, AR15, I found out that was the nickname of uh, Anthony Richardson, who we drafted. We'll be interested to see if that nickname continues. But um, man, what a night last night, huh, fellas? I didn't realize, Joe, because I was listening to you guys last night when Rick Venturi, yourself, and Matt Taylor, and great job by all three of you guys. Um, breaking down really each and every pick of the draft, but I was listening to you guys when when Rick had mentioned the AR-15 aspect, and, and I kind of thought the same as you, Joe, of like, and, and I don't necessarily want to open this can of worms, but I thought, okay, in today's climate and culture within the country, you know, for that nickname, and Kevin, you had mentioned that Anthony Richardson himself had said he kind of wants to back away from I, I the nickname, thought, right? I mean, obviously he wears 15. Right, um, right. It, it's That's his jersey number, right. and I think a little bit of Tim Tim Tebow there from the Gainesville native. I, I thought he had kind of, I don't know, backtracked that. And obviously we yeah. heard him when he was selected last night. You know, he, he made it very clear right away of, you know, Cam Jackson, the Cam Newton, Lamar Jackson, uh, that, you know, he, he's going to you know try and whatever, uh, go down his, his own path. But, Joe, what I was saying about the pick, and I want your thoughts on this, Joe Wrights, because, you know, you've you've obviously played in and seen the game in a much closer lens than I, but I thought this was last night the Colts officially turning the page into a new era of style of play of football and finally embracing kind of getting away from, and at no disrespect to – some of the players they've had or the formats that they have used, I thought the Colts were trying to kind of win with a style that was becoming antiquated. And this immediately puts them in the DeLorean and sends them back to the future. Your thoughts? I think that's a great take, Jake. You know, Rick Venturi made the point, you know, whether they draft Levis or Richardson, it's really a bet on the next 10 years and what the NFL is going to look like in 10 years. And just from – you know, my time playing, you know, retiring six years ago, the NFL's changed so much in terms of the Saturday offense creeping in, and you have to have a mobile quarterback now. And I think, for me, this pick is exciting for a couple reasons. One, I do think Richardson has the highest ceiling of anybody in the draft. Now, he's clearly young. He's got a lot of work to do. He's not yet 21, but 
to me, this pick is a little bit more of an NBA pick where you're drafting on potential. And Chris Ballard even said, we're drafting him to what he could be, not what he is right now, where the traditional thinking in the NFL is, hey, we got to draft a guy that can come in and start day one, and he's close to his full potential. But this pick for the Colts really is, the last 25 years, we've had great quarterback play and won a lot of games and a lot of trophies with a traditional pocket passer. This is, hey, the next 10 years, the NFL, the new NFL, Shane Steichen, who did it as good as anybody's done it with Sirianni and Hurts and Philly, say this new type of offense, this Saturday afternoon offense, blended with the Sunday passing. We can win at Philly, and they were a phantom or not defensive holding penalty away from winning the Super Bowl, and now we're going to get a guy with some of those same traits, actually some better athletic traits, and we can build this franchise in this offense, in this new version of football around your new quarterback, Anthony Richardson. Joe, if you were in that locker room and you were watching that last night, and let's say you had been on whatever, you, you, you'd you been with the franchise since Andrew Luck retired, what would your reaction have been in seeing that selection for that type of player at that position? It would have been excitement because I think, you know, every guy that's in the locker room, it's exciting to think about the what-ifs and what could our offense look like not only next September, but the September after. And I think the combination of Richardson's athleticism, his, you know, uh, really, you know, ability to run the football. And what, what he's good at right now is running the football, making plays, and throwing the ball far downfield. Explosive plays is what I think about. Now you combine him with Jonathan Taylor, one of the best running backs. Instantly, Jonathan Taylor's running game, things are going to open wide up. Why? Because you've got an extra guy. The defense has got to just defend 12 guys in an extra gap that takes less pressure off the offensive line and in time it'll free up our wide receivers because now teams have the decision to make we got to bring an extra guy up to account for this running game and the qb powers and sweeps and options and so now we're going to get one-on-one coverage and so those guys just have to be able to beat press man and one-on-one so i think it opens up so much if i'm an offensive player it's exciting it's dynamic because it's new it's been done really well in Baltimore with Lamar. It's been done, I would arguably, better um, in Philly the last year. And there's going to be so many changes offensively. As an offensive lineman, I love it too. You know why? Because we're not standing back there in the pocket and waiting for defensive linemen to come in and collapse a quarterback that's not mobile. we got a guy that's going to be out in space and moving. We're going to be running the football a lot more, zone read concepts, different types of things. As an old lineman, you can be aggressive. So that's where I have a lot of excitement with Richards. And, again, I think – uh, expectations all need to be tempered, right? Because if this guy was going to come in and light the world on fire day one, Carolina would have drafted him with a number one overall pick, right? If that was a consensus. But his ceiling is the highest of anybody in the draft. And if you're going to take a swing on these, you know, one of these four quarterbacks, you know, you're taking a swing on the guy with the biggest chance of potential. And, you know, potential is exciting, right? The hope, the excitement, what could we be like for the next decade? That's exciting, and that's the feeling I got last night talking to Colts fans in the building and, you know, talking with friends and family this morning. Joe is you, Joe Wrights is our guest on the Payless Sugars Hotline. Let's say, for the sake of argument, that the Colts now decide, okay, we have this young player in Anthony Richardson, and I think we both know, to your point, that it, I don't think they, they're thinking of him as a plug-and-play guy, right? I mean, they're going to they're gonna let this kind of org- organically grow, but – if they decide that they want to now draft weapons for him because he's got a huge arm, if they decide they need, like, let's say, deep ball receivers or more playmaking tight ends, whatever that may be, 
<clears throat> are there areas of need for the Colts right now that they can set aside in order to draft offensive players? And other, do you get what I'm asking there? Like, like, yeah. are they strong enough at other positions? Are they good enough, or are there still needs that are like, you know what, this doesn't necessarily directly affect the quarterback, but it is a big enough need they have to address it now in round two. Yeah, you always want to draft more on best talent than need, especially early in the draft. That's the the best long-term solution. For me, the three biggest positions in need are edge rusher, cornerback, and receiver. And I think, man, I love Nolan Smith. He kept falling and falling, and I'm like, man, for some reason he gets to the second round, we might be able to take him. But he went off the board at 30 to Philly. I think that the fourth pick tonight, which the Colts have, there's going to be a really good corner or receiver that they're going to like. And I would expect one of those two positions. That's my gut because I think those are both positions in need. And I think the way the draft shook out the first round, the depth at those two positions is higher maybe than edge rusher right now. Also, you're going to expect somebody's probably going to take Levis with the first one, two, or three pick and maybe trade up because he's still on the board. So there's going to be a really good player at positions. But I would think that receiver or corner are our two biggest needs right now. Obviously, receiver – would give Richardson another weapon, but corner definitely a need with us trading Gilmore in the offseason. You heard him last night. Obviously, the Fishers native, Joe Wright's former Colt offensive lineman, with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Joe, I want to go back to 2012 for you. Um, Reggie Wayne was telling a story earlier this week about when Andrew Luck was drafted. Reggie kind of said to him, Hey, um, let me handle the offense, you know, from a leadership standpoint. And then whenever you are ready, you just let me know and I'll back off. And, and and you take over. And Reggie said he felt like kind of mid-ish November in that rookie season. That was when Andrew said, all right, I think I got this. Um, do you recall any moments like that with Luck? Uh, you know, I, I know I don't think he was here right away in the spring. I think he still had to finish some classes at Stanford. But do you recall any of those moments back in 2012? I mean, the one that sticks out to me most is our very first OTA practice he's a part of. We have a protection, and basically, let's think, as an O-line, we're sliding right. So we're sliding to the right side of the field if a linebacker or corner blitzes. And Andrew basically said, well, based on the coverage, they're going to be pressure from the left. Why can't we make an opposite call and switch the protection over there? And right then and there, we made a new call in protection and switched it. And I remember us O-linemen looking around and we're like, all right, we got a guy right here. And so I think Andrew's, his leadership characteristics were just unique. And he was ready. He was the surefire draft plug and play day one. And I think that's the difference with him and Richardson. Richardson might be the starter day one. He very well might not be. But you got a guy in Minshew who's a great bridge to this next generation. And the nice thing, too, is Minshew's been in Philly's offense. And he's athletic enough to run the offense. He's not clearly Richardson's level. But if you're Shane and Jim Bob, I think right now you're building the offense and concepts around Richardson. But you also know you got a guy in place that. Richardson doesn't have to start day one if he's not ready. I think that's what's important. It's kind of temper expectations with the fan. If he's not the day one starter, it doesn't mean he's not going to reach his full potential. He might, you know, take over midseason. It might be next season. Who knows? I look at what Pittsburgh did last year with Pickett. I thought that was really strong. You know, Tomlin was very upfront. Hey, the rookie's not ready yet. Trubisky's going to start. He's earned it. And all of a sudden, Pickett, he, he got in midseason. And they beat the Colts, and they ended up, winning nine games and almost made the playoffs. And now he's got a lot of confidence to take the reins over a year or two. I think that's a good kind of template on how they did things. And I would expect maybe something similar from the Colts uh, this season. But to be clear, 
you have a guy you're building your franchise and offense around. So all those concepts are going to be what can he do and maximize his skill set. But it's also okay, in my opinion, if he doesn't have the keys to the kingdom day one out of the gate, because I think that's a little bit unfair to a guy that does lack a little bit of the experience that traditionally, you know, a top five quarterback has. Okay, I kind of wanted to go there next, and you certainly uh, provided some detail on that. You know, w- would you look at trying to incorporate him in any sort of like run game, short yardage, red zone package early on? I mean, you, you seem to give the indication you are totally content with him sitting for quite a while in 2023. Yeah, but I think to your point, if he's not the day one starter, you have a, a package of plays for Richardson that maybe gets 10, 15 snaps a game, and he comes in and does different things that he's really good at. And then, you know, you kind of build it slow and steady over time. Again, this is a draft pick for the franchise that changes the direction in a positive way, but it's a 10-year plan, right? And you're not going to rush the 10-year plan to try to mortgage the farm and and do all these things day one. So in that, I think it's good. And I think the fact he's coming in with a new head coach and obviously they're kind of tied together, you know, they got time to build this thing the right way for long-term sustained success. Because the reality is, with Aaron Rodgers coming in the AFC, Lamar Jackson signing a five-year deal. I mean, nine of the top ten quarterbacks in the NFL are in the AFC right now. And you got to be able to beat the Buffalo Bills and the Cincinnati Bengals and the Kansas City Chiefs for the future, let alone our own division. And I think, you know, they got uh, Stroud now, and, and there's some good young quarterbacks in our division too. So it's exciting. I definitely think the balance of power in the NFL is in the AFC. And if you're the Colts, you got to keep in mind that, we want to build this thing for success for the long term, and I think that's you know what their plan is going to be. Joe, the reality is, Anthony Richardson is, and it's you almost forget this because I think we forget how big Andrew Luck was, right? I mean, he's just a big dude, and Anthony Richardson is a big dude. He looks like Bo Jackson, but the point being, Andrew Luck is big and as athletic, and I think he's athletic as he was. In the end, the the abuse that his body took from being a quarterback that was running ended up shortening his career. How do the Colts avoid that again? Yeah, that's tough. And you have the same discussions about Lamar Jackson and Hurts. And, and to me, it's all about the type of hits you're taking and direct hits. You know, I think there's a reason that you watch Marvin Harrison. You know, he never took any direct hit, right? He was going down. He was sliding at angles, et cetera, because he was able to pre- preserve his body for the long term. And I think that's something to import. So that's very important when you're coaching Richardson on running, talking about when it makes sense to slide, when it makes sense to run out of bounds, and when it makes sense maybe to you know lower your shoulder once in a while and try to pick up that first down when you actually need it. So I think you know coaching him in terms of the running because you know in college he was running by everybody, which is a good sign. If you're running by people in the SEC, which is the best defensive conference by far, you're still going to be able to run guys by guys in the NFL. But that's where it's important. There's a big difference in calling. Uh, 20 design QB runs per game and calling five, right? And I think that's what, you know, we're seeing in the NFL with some of these different teams and how they're approaching their package. So it's all about the combination of incorporating what he does best right now, that Saturday-type offense, but implementing the NFL passing concepts and what he can do. His accuracy is obviously one of the biggest question marks, and that's where, you know, he really needs to improve. He throws the deep ball well, but – you know, you got to be able to throw the 15-yard out or you got to be able to throw the 20-yard dig route across the middle and accuracy-wise, and that's what I'm sure they're going to be working on from day one fundamental-wise and improving his technique 
uh, in the passing game overall. One of the things, and Joe writes, I want your, your reaction to this. One of the things I read yesterday was the area of pause with Anthony Richardson to some was the areas where he fell short, accuracy in particular, that the thought is that those were areas that were short because of his mechanics, and the mechanics are issues that typically players going into the NFL have solved or figured out by the time they're at this level and that there is a little bit of concern of teaching an old dog new tricks. And I know he's a young dog in NFL terms, but that these are things that should have been worked out in high school or early in college. Your thoughts? I think that's definitely a fair pause, and I'm sure that that was the reason why some teams maybe didn't have him as high. But I think, again, you're you're drafting the unknown a little bit and what he can be. I mean, if he went back to college for another year and played 12, 13 more games, what would his accuracy and stats be like? But it's no different than I mentioned the NBA a little bit. Guys come out a year earlier and they got the potential and now they got the chance to work on ball 12, 14, 16 hours a day. And you got to think that his ability to get better is going to be at a much higher rate than if he was still in college because he's going to have every resource available to him and he's going to have all of the advantages of being in an NFL system and literally just being able to focus on football all day, every day. And so I think what's most important for him is just Obviously, it's exciting right now, and it's the draft. But once you get out on the grass and you're in that first OTA practice, nobody talks about the draft. It's just about how can I get better day in, day out, and having a process-based system where he's getting as much reps as he can all the time. I think that's what's so important for him, just to live at the facility and just really hone in to all the things that he needs to do to get better at and know that you know it's not going to be an overnight fix on some of these things, but – you know, the day-in, day-out compounding interest value of just working really hard and honing in on all the little details, technique, everything he needs to do, command of the offense. That's what's going to be exciting for me to watch his progression, how he is the first OTA in May. Joe, last you know, one. going to be in the preseason. Sorry about that, Joe. Uh, last one. Obviously, you became a mainstay here and certainly a core player. You were not always that throughout your career. So I'm just curious, when like day two or day three of the draft rolled around and you were like on teams, did you watch the draft out of like, man, I'm really hoping they stay away from the offensive line here? Like, Do, do, do you guys think like that? A, a thousand percent. You, I wouldn't always watch it, but you're checking your phone the updates, and it's like, Oh, great. We draft another offensive lineman. Or it's like, good. We didn't draft another offensive lineman. So I definitely think for guys that are on the, the back half of the roster, you're always watching that. But the reality is there's always going to be competition. The NFL is the most competitive job market in the world. That's what makes it great. But you know, at the end of the day, you, you got to control what you can control. And it's all about if I'm good enough to play in the NFL, there'll be a spot for me somewhere. That's was always my approach. But I'd be lying to say, and I'd bet 95% of people – everybody's watching the draft closely and, and hoping in the back of their mind that they don't draft somebody at their position. Okay, last one from me, Joe. Uh, first pick that the Colts make in round number two is going to be if you had to wager it right now, or if you had to predict it, I guess I'd say, what position? Uh, it's going to be a cop-out, but receiver or corner. I really think that with our fourth pick tonight, receiver or corner, both positions in need, both I think have really good value still on the board. That's what I would be predicting uh, for the Colts tonight. But it'll be exciting uh, to see uh, what we come up with here in round two. And, and the draft is just always super exciting. So fired up, as you can see this morning, for 
the new future of the Colts and what this team's going to look like when we roll the balls out for real in September. Joe, great work last night. Energy as always. Glad you uh, enjoyed the indoor facility, and uh, hopefully uh, we'll cross paths soon. All right. Sounds great. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks, Jake.